The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered. Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it. Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five. Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side. It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning. It's Rich, and I'm here with James. It's time to listen to One Nation. The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to... The June 14th edition of One Nation Radio. I am Richard Ladder, your host, and today we have plenty on deck. Before we get to that, I just want to make sure you guys are subscribed to the Social Suplex Podcast Network and checking out all the great shows on there. Remember, we are an independent um, podcast um, network, and our budget comes from word of mouth as well as your shares and everything like that. The only way we're going to reach more people is with your help by sharing the show, rating it five stars. Unfortunately, we can't rate it seven, or else we would. Don't be a hater. Make sure you bang that five for us. Uh, make sure you guys check out the Outsiders Edge with Rance and Carl. Ricky and Clive wrestling podcast, as well as keeping it strong style and grown men watch this shit. They just did an interview with Jonah Rock, so you might want to check that out. But we got a lot to get to here on One Nation Radio today. Um, how's everyone doing? Hope you guys are all feeling well. Any great matches happened lately? Well, if you know me and you guys um, have listened to this show long enough, uh, those of you on podcast form, if you're seeing this first on YouTube, you know what we're here to talk about. So it's no secret. It's been about a day now. Dave Meltzer, you know, his ratings for Dominion came out. And of course, what I was predicting with my boy Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy on keeping it strong style, seven stars. Now, how this makes you feel, I'm not sure. But Dave Meltzer once again rewarded the excellence of Kenny Omega and Kazushka Okada, and I'm glad he did. Why, you ask? Because this is the best match that most of us will lay our eyes on. You know, they took the match rating scale, and they V-triggered it, they rainmakered it, and, you know, they beat the shit to death until two extra stars came out, you know, and I'm not shocked at all. Why? Because we're dealing with the two most, like, talented wrestlers in the game, locking horns square in the middle of their athletic primes. These guys aren't 40, and they don't have bad hips, and they're not lazy and wanting to do 10-minute matches. The art of professional wrestling is being, like, redefined by two guys that don't give a fuck who came before them and don't give a fuck who's coming after. 
And this match had it all in, in the words of my boy Jeremy and also myself. It earned every star that Meltzer gave it. And, you know, it was big moves. It was creative work. It was selling. It was drama, intensity. It was sense of the moment. It was urgency, unpredictability. And, you know, they spread that over an hour to let wrestlers know everywhere that in 2018, they don't stand a fucking chance, you know, you know when it's compared to these two. Is it the best match we'll ever see? Maybe, but I hope it's not. Why? Because I want the seven and a half star match. I want the eight star match. Like, I don't want to sit through endless two and three star matches that make me look at my phone and tweet jokes about how regular as fuck this is. Like, if you're cool with endless mediocrity, like, that's wonderful. Enjoy the 10-minute chin locks and so-called stories that they're trying to tell in the ring. And, you know, in my opinion, wrestling is only going to keep getting more spectacular. And it's allowed to evolve and progress. And, you know, if the best thing we were ever going to see was in 1990-fucking-7, then why the fuck are we still watching this? You don't want to see shit get better or or people take risks to make it better or try to outdo the past. I don't understand. You know, we saw history, like not only the story of the match, but, you know, the overall performance that just blew everything that came before it to shreds. There was always going to be time, you know, when something came along to threaten your memories. Well, motherfuckers, we're here now. How about it? So how do we get here? You know, this whole thing with, you know, seven stars didn't just come out of nowhere. It had to be built up. Obviously, we started with the, you know, the six stars originally at Wrestle Kingdom uh, where they blew away, you know, current wrestling and all the history before it. Um, They went even further um, at Dominion last year and got to 6.25 in Meltzer's eyes. And, you know, you just look at the the way the wrestling business has changed as well as, you know, with the influx of like streaming and fans being able to watch more wrestling. So the wrestlers in turn want to step up their game. So they're not only like, it's not like back in the nineties. And I talked to my boy James about this. Like, it's not like back in the nineties where these guys had to tape trade and all that. You can just, you know, get access to all this great shit so much faster now and in start incorporating that into your moveset like if you're a wrestler you can see all everything that's working across the world all the great wrestlers all the great matches and start incorporating it into your style much faster to improve the overall quality of your wrestling matches and we're we've reached the point where the streaming has gotten so strong i would say from 2014 going forward with youtube with all the on-demand services the world has gotten smaller so we're all exposed to just you know the the level just keeps rising so like i was saying previously maybe it's not the best match we're ever gonna see if it is great then we saw it you know but 
there's always hope for this thing to uh, keep going forward as the next you know set of younger wrestlers comes up and learns from Omega and Okada and learns from you know what they did in the ring as far as the drama and how Gato booked all this stuff. He has the knowledge to lean on and to pass that on to you know this is how we did it with Okada and Omega over you know two years and allowed it to reach this point. So. It's only good for wrestling when wrestling is good because people can learn from it and then eventually exceed it. I don't understand the fascination with just holding up every single thing from the past. It's like, oh yeah, we'll never top, we'll never top that, you know. Like, and you know, we're never gonna do better than Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. We're never gonna do better than um, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. We're never gonna do better than anything like that. It's like, no, man. It, you know. One thing I've kind of banged on for One Nation Radio on this show is always be ready for history. Always don't be afraid. I, I made a song about it called All Time Greatest. Like, what's it take to be the all time greatest? And like it's like we we need to know and that's a big, you know, reason that I kind of started this show because I wanted to contextualize in real time what we're seeing, how it compares to history, where it's at, and what we're seeing on a weekly basis. Because, you know, if I'm not watching something that I can really write home about and talk to you guys about it's like, what are we doing it for? Why are we just sitting here watching mediocrity and trying to champion it as excellence? I'm not about to fucking do that. So it's, you know, it's a whole thing like, you know, of why I think we got here to this um, time where someone like is respected as Dave fucking Meltzer will go out there and say, yeah, I'm going to give this seven stars. This wasn't an overnight process. And I feel like we're only going to keep going up from here because if you think, Will Ospreay's not motivated to get, get seven stars. You got another thing coming. If you think Hiromu Takahashi doesn't want that, you got another thing coming. If you think Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa don't want to top that at NXT takeover next weekend and, and answer to that shit, you have another thing coming. It's like, you know, you got to, you know, recognize what's going on elsewhere in the world because this is what people are enjoying. This was getting the the traffic on social media. It's causing all types of crazy debates online and everything. I just want everyone to realize when you see history, do not be afraid of it. Do not be afraid to embrace history in real time or else you will look back and be like, damn. I didn't appreciate it in the moment, and now it's gone. So the next thing we got on deck today is Roman Reigns. Yes, everyone's favorite wrestler here on the internet, um, and I say that with uh, plenty of jokes. Um, he gave an interview with ESPN that was pretty interesting. I'm going to pull it up and read a little bit, um, and this whole thing, you know, he knows exactly what he is. Um He's he's coming out here and, you know, he's kind of doing the company line of, you know, if I'm getting booed, aren't I already a heel? No, motherfucker, you're a babyface that gets booed. But he had a couple quotes that, you know, defined it and made it clear that he knew exactly who he was and he knew exactly where, you know, he would be most maximized and what would create the best type of magic in pro wrestling um, that could be in WWE. Um 
he said in an ideal world or excuse me uh in the column it was like in an ideal world daniel bryan would be the perfect feud and a potential rivalry between them would provide a desired injection of grandeur to both talent and company reigns would love to feud with bryan but with both superstars on opposing rosters it could prove difficult to construct i mean i don't know why he wrote that in there we can just have daniel bryan win the royal rumble and jump so you know we can move motherfuckers however they want to move them Roman Reigns went on to say, y'all want to see me turn heel? Put me in the ring with him, Reigns said. Uh, We can talk about so many different things about wrestling and the different things that make up the art form and the performance, but when it comes down to it, it's about making people make a lot of noise. Obviously, with the the reactions and the way I stir up the crowd, I think it would make for a pretty dynamic and electric atmosphere brian is one of the best to ever mix it up in the ring and i have a lot of respect for him to see someone like him on top and have it all taken away so fast it's very scary so yes roman reigns realizes that he would be best put opposite from daniel bryan as a heel that is your main event for wrestlemania 35 and i will say it again Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan should be the main event of WrestleMania 35 with the condition that Roman Reigns is a heel and embraces it all the way. He comes out and says, it's your fault that, you know, your fans wouldn't let it go. It's your fault that you went out there and injured yourself. It's your fault and I'm going to take it out on you. And they could even, and I also talked about this earlier today with James, who probably will be coming back to the podcast at some point, but for the foreseeable future, it might just be me here on One Nation Radio. Um, We had cooked up a, a scenario where WWE essentially turns Daniel Bryan's, you know, his exile for those three years into the storyline, like where they come out here and say, yeah, you were cleared the entire time, but we needed to move you out the way. You were a problem. You were someone that we couldn't control, but it didn't quite go all the way we wanted it, so we resorted to plan B. We went ahead and cleared you to make money off you, to sell some shirts like the one that I'm wearing right now. We did all these things because it's best for business, and yes, restart the authority, and yes, align Roman Reigns with the authority, and reveal that he was always their champion and you play into that and you go ahead and move forward with reigns ripping through the rest of the monday night raw roster until he's the champion and then yeah and you know brock lesnar get him the fuck out of here no one cares um you have daniel bryan win the royal rumble and obviously they target him from there but you know, you got to do a couple things to get there, but I feel like they are leaving it all like the most creative possible thing they can do with these two guys on deck. It's not enough for them to go out there and put hero tweener, doesn't know if he's a good guy, says the word bitch, Roman Reigns against Daniel Bryan, who everyone loves. It's just not enough, especially when we know what's on the other side, what can be maximized and what can happen if those two two lock horns with that type of alignment and that type of story that is where wwe will have a chance to compete with new japan that is where wwe will have a chance to recapture organic you know the organic feel in the product that's just missing you know on every level right now 
and we're going to get into it more when I preview Money in the Bank, but it's a fucking disaster every way you slice it right now. Just a bunch of great wrestlers wrestling sorry ones, and, you know, we'll get to it, but Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns knows exactly who he is. He's a guy that goes out there, he gets cheered by a couple folks, gets booed by a lot more. We've seen the tricks, we've seen the, the editing, we've seen the WrestleManias go off of air with no one caring, we've seen them get hijacked. Why do they keep banging their heads against the wall? So, it's, it's the, the good thing about the interview that I read, and it's on ESPN.com if you want to check it out, Reigns is very self-aware. He knows what it is, he's not living in some fantasy world that they created for him. Um, and I think eventually, like deep down, WWE knows what it is. And also anyone that comes out here on that Roman Reigns already heel shit, they know what it is too. So if he's talking about turning to face Daniel Bryan, he's turning from what? He's not turning face. He's turning heel. So Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 35, good guy versus bad guy. The guy everyone wants to cheer against him. I'll take the money investment, man. You can make the check out to me at... I'm not going to reveal that right here. Up next, we got to talk about the pettiest thing I saw WWE do this week. On the week that Kenny Omega wins the IWGP Championship. On the day or the, the week that he comes out here and gets the seven-star match rating. While he's at E3 with the New Day um, playing Street Fighter and doing whatever the hell else um, he's doing out there, WWE decides to reach in the bag of petty, and they come out here and upload a match from Deep South Wrestling that they have. If some of you don't know, Kenny Omega, yes, at one time was in WWE's developmental department, and that was back in 2006 and, you know, the whole Bill DeMont era and everything like that. And apparently Kenny Omega hated life. He said this whole thing made him miserable. I'm kind of paraphrasing at the moment, but he eventually ended up leaving and decided to take his chances and, you know, in Japan. And, you know, he set off his own journey that's led him to this very point right now. But WWE just couldn't let it ride like that. WWE had to go ahead and while everyone was searching for Kenny Omega on the internet, while everyone was talking about this seven-star match, what popped up on their network? An old-ass match from 2006. If that that's not the definition of petty. I don't know what is. And I'm not even mad at them for doing that. It's kind of funny that they would do that and be like, yeah, we got you. We had you. But at the same time, it's kind of like a mark of weakness because it's like you had this dude, but your talent department couldn't sniff out, you know, a, a potential legend in the making. What you were doing at the time was trying to get Chris Masters onto the main roster. What you were trying to do at the time was get a million other muscle motherfucker generic guys looking like creator wrestlers to come out there and be the next guy to lay down for John Cena. I'm glad things worked out the way they did. Kenny Omega, the next time he goes back to WWE, if he ever does, they are going to have to pay that premium. Get some of Vince McMahon's money because all money ain't good money and he's made plenty of bad money especially this year in Saudi Arabia um so yes and the more that he needs to give that up and you know Kenny couldn't have played this any smarter because he could have went after Wrestle Kingdom 11 he could have done whatever 
you know, but now he has the status of being the IWGP champion, of holding out even longer while WWE gets an influx of money. So WWE can be petty if they want, but in the end, they're going to end up paying for it. Remember that I said this. Yes, yes, yes. We have arrived to the point that I was dreading that some of you are here for on YouTube. Those of you that are subscribed on the podcast, you know it was coming because it was titled this way. Yes, here is your preview for WWE Money in the Bank 2018. Now, on One Nation Live on Sunday, we went over the problems um, that WWE has with building a Money in the Bank card because of the nature of the matches where you have so many people in the matches. What ends up happening are either marquee matches that you have to throw away on TV, like Charlotte versus Becky or Owens versus Balor, even though they didn't really do a finish or anything. Or you're doing eight or ten person tag matches in just over and over and over in just a million multi-man matches. And that's not really good for anyone. So I'm going to pull up the card here, give you my thoughts on um, each of these you know, events that uh or each of these matches excuse me and then we're going to talk about nxt which is going to blow it to fucking smithereens um move to the pre-show the bludgeon brothers and this is uh my tagline for this show who could possibly give a fuck nothing matters um so we had the bludgeon brothers um the defending SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions taking on Luke Gallows and, and uh, Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson, much slimmed down, been working out, probably doing that keto or keto diet, whatever they doing out here in these streets. Uh, moving to the pre-show, the highlight of this feud has been Carl Anderson and Luke Harper going at each other on Twitter. Moment of silence for these boys. Anyway, up next, um, I'm just going to start from the bottom up on this. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Big Cass. <sighs> I'm wearing a Daniel Bryan shirt right now while I'm recording this podcast. While I'm on video on YouTube.com, make sure you hit your subscriptions. And I've got to watch a guy that's my favorite wrestler in WWE wrestle a bum, a stiff, a dude that offers nothing match-wise. A dude that came out there and pointed at the ceiling most of the time uh, in the last match. A dude that couldn't even get his hand in the correct position to break up the attempted yes lock. I don't know, man. They're asking Daniel Bryan to do this stuff. Daniel Bryan seems to, you know, be giving the right answers about it. Seen a couple interviews. I saw one uh, on Inside the Ropes. Check those guys out. They um, do a lot of great interviews Uh everywhere around and Brian said he enjoyed the the challenge of wrestling someone like Kaz because he gets to see you know like well what do we have here and Daniel Bryan you know him wrestling against sorry guys has actually kind of worked out sometimes in the past but big Kaz may be so sorry that I don't know even if Daniel Bryan can really get you know the greatness you know out of him and the sad part is, it's like, yeah, Daniel Bryan has not re-signed his contract yet. Are they holding the big matches in their back pocket until they have his signature? Are they doing things to, you know, are, how are they really handling Daniel Bryan since he came back? 
I don't think it's really gone particularly. I don't think it's been an absolute disaster because I still enjoy what Dan Bryan's been doing. Matches with Rusev, matches with Shelton Benjamin this week, as well as, uh, you know, in there, there's triple threat with Samoa Joe. We saw some action with them. AJ Styles, that match. He's not where I'd like him to be, but he's in a position to where hopefully they can just get him away from Big Cass. I'm going to predict Daniel Bryan to win, but if they beat him with Big Cass since he, you know, was defeated so handily by Daniel Bryan last time, if they defeated him, I wouldn't be shocked. It would also be terribly fucking stupid. And you might catch me on here throwing a fucking fit depending on how it all goes uh, down. So, the next match I want to talk about, everyone's favorite open opening match wrestler, Seth Rollins, versus Elias for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, I have been banging the drum on this show and on this channel for Elias to be given the opportunity to for us to find out what the fuck he is. Is he just a dude with a guitar that does fake-ass rock concerts that people really like? Is that all? Or is he a, someone that you can put in pay-per-view feuds and have him deliver? Or is he Bray Wyatt? Someone with a really cool gimmick who stinks it up on pay-per-view. It's been 15 months and he hasn't had a feud that's led to a proper one-on-one -on -one match. I'm not counting that Jason Jordan shit that got set up by them throwing fruit at each other. No, sir. What we're looking at here with Seth Rollins versus Elias is another test of Seth Rollins' gangster, essentially. Like, how, how much of the man are you that you say you are? We're going to find out, and this is for the Intercontinental title. This is a great time to actually get the IC belt off of Seth Rollins. He's been phenomenal as an opening match wrestler this year. And I say that with a bit of a feeling of wanting more for him wanting him to be in the main event it's cool that you have all these great matches with the intercontinental title but what do they ultimately mean nothing if you're not in the main event wwe really has shown a tendency not to really give a fuck about you this card is stacked with Dudes that are raw, like Seth Rollins, like Daniel Bryan, like uh, Roman Reigns, like uh, Sami Zayn, and also uh, Asuka in the women's division. Carrying folks that do not are not known for great matches, are not known for having great matches, are or are just straight terrible and should leave the business tomorrow or as soon as the match is over. But... With Rollins and Elias, back to those guys, it's a great test to see where, you know, Elias is right now. And maybe it's time, you know, just put the IC belt on him, let him do his thing, and, you know, change the, the look of the belt for a while. It's, it's time for Rollins to move on up. So um, I'm picking Elias to go over for the Intercontinental title, and hopefully, you know, it leads to good things for both of them. Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. Good fucking God. This has been just a feud from the depths of hell. These guys have come out here and been given material to wipe your ass cracks with. They have brought transgender folks out here. They've had Bobby Lashley run an obstacle course like he's American Ninja fucking Warrior. They had this dude come out here and get whooped on by Sami Zayn after running the obstacle course. They had this guy 
um, the whole deal with his sister started, showing you how old Bobby Lashley is. And the deal with it is, well, I know Sami Zayn can have a great match. Bobby Lashley, I don't know. Like I said, I I didn't watch you know his his previous run and everything about Lashley. He's just like you know a big muscle guy and you know I think this is a great opportunity for him to wrestle against Sami Zayn. He should you know be in a position to deliver here uh, and I feel like he's gonna win the match here. So I'm picking Bobby Lashley. But this feud has been absolutely terrible. Whoever wrote this um, should seriously recons- reconsider, read some litter, chore on the subject. You know, oh well, fuck it. And really figure it, you know, it out. Like, yo, how can we avoid doing this again at all costs? Um, up next, the biggest disaster of them all, Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal, God bless him. He's been wrestling for, I looked it up today, for 16 years. He debuted in 2002. And... It's 16 years later, and I don't know if the guy's gotten any better. It's an un, it's a weird situation. It's like, wow, how do you wrestle that long and then you just remain the same, you know, motherfucker that you are? And it's a situation where gender comes in here fighting Roman Reigns. The crowd will not like either of you. They might cheer for gender on some ironic shit. Uh, but chances are the crowd is going to come out here and shit all over this match. The CM Punk chance will be in full effect. Um, I just pray that they don't get the bright idea to have Jinder Mahal put this dude in a headlock for seven minutes and lay on the ground. Why? Because we saw that last month with, um, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns and, WWE's primary goal is to get Reigns cheered in these matches. That's what the idea is, sticking him with Jinder Mahal. This is as mid-card as it gets. If this main main events, I'm going to blow a fucking gasket, and I will be right here to do it. Could the match be good? Who knows? Jinder doesn't really have many you know, good ones of those, and Reigns has struck out a lot on pay-per-view this year. WrestleMania as well as the greatest Royal Rumble, and definitely Backlash. So, prepare for the Backlash if this one sucks too, because Reigns, like, the one thing that Reigns always had going for him was the match quality, was him being this this presence in the ring where he could wrestle big guys, and he can also wrestle small guys, and he, of course he can wrestle guys his size, because it all he's kind of like the perfect size, and, you know, with his athleticism, it just works really well. And... If he ends up with another stinker, that's going to suck. Because then I'm going to have to rip him. And then I'm going to have to rip WWE for putting him in that position. And then I'm going to have to watch him move forward and then go into a feud possibly with Brock Lesnar like nothing ever fucking happened. And that's not okay. Um, Up next, the worst wrestler walking planet Earth. Carmella will be defending the women's championship against Asuka. With all the rumors of James Ellsworth showing up, I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up to screw Asuka out of the championship and keep it on Carmella. Why? Because we're not allowed to have good things. Why was Asuka's streak broken and given to Charlotte, then immediately she was defeated by Carmella? I'll never fucking know. No, No one else will either. And it didn't make sense then. It still doesn't make sense right now. Carmella... 
a little bit passable on the microphone. She can do her thing and, and get under people's skin there. But where she really will get under your skin is coming out here with these one-star matches. How many matches will it take for Carmelo to get seven stars? I have, you know, just, 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 a, I'm wondering, is it the over and under? Is it three and a half? You know, will she, will, you know, the next time she acquires seven stars, how long will it take? Y'all let me know. Um, Carmelo and Oscar, I don't really have any interest. If it was up to me booking it, I would book Oscar to do a roundhouse kick and then to get Carmelo the fuck out of there uh, immediately. But I think the other women's match might be the one that has a squash match for it. So, um, not really much on the interesting, you know, scale for the SmackDown Women's title right now. As long as they have it on Carmella, they're not going to be having matches to write home about. They're not going to have matches that reflect the women's revolution. They're not going to be having matches that we saw in 2016 with Charlotte and Sasha Banks. They're going to be doing some Divas era shit that Kelly Kelly would be proud of. Um, from there, we've got Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. And this match is interesting on a bunch of different levels because... Nia Jax admittedly has not been lighting it on fire as the champion. They don't know whether she's a face or a heel one week. I thought the segment that they did last week, or excuse me, this week on Raw was actually pretty good. They both nailed their verbiage. You kind of saw a little bit of nervousness, but I thought it was enough to let them slide for it. Ronda delivered her lines well, much better than her being on commentary and, you know, just showing up kind of just being awkward and out of place. Um, I think she's got to work on her facials because her tough look is a little too comical for me. But, you know, I it doesn't feel like she's intense. She's still playing pro wrestler. So, you know, the physicality they did actually looked kind of decent. Maybe it's a, you know, bang, bang, fresh out the box, one, two, three, uh, like three-minute high-intensity match. I think they have that in them. Now, the second that they decide to go 10 minutes, hell no. This would be a disaster. You will have to call Seth Rollins out from the back to burn it the fuck down because <laughs> that could be really bad. Who's leading that match? So keep it short, keep it intriguing, and decide whether you're going to go with a Money in the Bank cash-in, whether you're just going to let non Ronda destroy her because Ronda Rousey shouldn't be losing this match under any circumstance. And now, as soon as I say that, I get the idea that she's going to get screwed by Stephanie McMahon somehow out of the championship. And if they do that, I wouldn't be fucking shocked because nothing matters anyway. Next match. <sighs> Lord. The most disappointing feud uh, going on this year that's actually had matches. Um, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. And I say disappointing from, you know, the standpoint of we were sold a bill of goods that the level was going to be up here and we've been down here we've had fuck finishes we've had count outs we've had double count outs we've had a disqualification i believe but and just overall underwhelming toned down matches to try to make a heel turn go over better after the match. And we've arrived to a last man standing match where these guys get to club each other and whatever. And WWE last man standing matches are pretty good. But that's a stipulation that I want to see for like Daniel Bryan and The Miz. Guys that I know hate each other. And Nakamura and AJ Styles just seem so manufactured as Nakamura just started punching dudes in the dick. Whatever. Um... 
my expectations for the match, I would hope that in main events, since it is the WWE Championship, but there's always a chance that they put the money in the bank, uh, one of the money in the bank ladder matches on last, or around on last. Honestly, they haven't really made this feel like um, a WWE Championship main event level feud. Um, if it wasn't the main event, I wouldn't be shocked at all, and that's sad uh, for AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. And only WWE can do this. So, who's going to win? Once again, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to pick Nakamura to walk away with the championship. Him and AJ probably roll over in the next month at Extreme Rules where they fight each other again. So, we'll see how it all works out. Money in the Bank match for the men. Braun Strowman versus Finn Balor versus The Miz versus Rusev versus Bobby Roode versus Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and a member of the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, or Xavier Woods. So, I think Woods is a very intriguing option. With all those big guys running around, they need another small guy in there to pick up the pace, do athletic shit. Also, Kofi could play that role. Big E could go in there and just turn into a complete hoss fest with Kevin Owens, with Samoa Joe, with Braun Strowman, and with Rusev. Um, who's going to win this one? It literally could be any of these motherfuckers. If it was me, I would resist the temptation of just giving it to The Miz and doing the predictable thing and be like, yeah, we're going to eventually let Daniel Bryan win the title and then we're going to have The Miz cash in on him. Resist temptation, y'all. Give Samojo the briefcase. You can elevate this guy from right on the cusp to being a main event money player. Let's go through the list of all these guys. Braun Strowman, already a made guy in some people's eyes. I think he's kind of taking a step back this year. Also, why the fuck would you give Braun Strowman the briefcase? This big motherfucker's not going to carry that thing around. Obviously, Brock Lesnar's not showing up, so he can never cash it in. Can't do anything with it. Finn Balor, already a made guy. Been the Universal Champion before. Could be used in like a mid-card role to eventually like challenge Elias. Could be, you know, moonlighting as a main eventer. Um, The Miz, like I said, resist temptation. Try something different. Try something creative. You can get the Daniel Bryan versus The Miz without a Money in the Bank briefcase because their feud is a lot more personal than that. Rusev, I wouldn't be mad at it. I wouldn't hate it at all. I just don't think it's his time. Bobby Roode, fuck no. Um, take that glorious shit and you know, you know, take that go, take that shit back to Africa or something. Like I, I don't know. Um, Kevin Owens, they've made Kevin Owens feel so regular. I don't want to see him with a Money in the Bank briefcase. This guy was a former uh, Universal Champion. This guy was a former United States Champion, and he's always had something to do and be compelling since 2015. And we've reached a point with Kevin Owens where he's another guy. He was so over. And this is another example of them fucking up just multiple guys. So, from here, that leaves us with Samoa Joe or a member of the New New Day. And I feel like Samoa Joe is the perfect guy. You can get a guy to win a world title for the first time. A guy that's ready. A guy that's a veteran. And hopefully, you know, if he is not made of glass or anything, because, you know, Joe has a tendency to get injured sometimes, unfortunately. But... 
he can talk, he can wrestle, and he can be a motherfucking menace with the WWE Championship. So Moa Joe should be Mr. Money in the Bank, and he's done nothing but look great when given opportunities on the main roster. So that's my pick uh, for the WWE uh, Championship Money in the Bank, uh, or he'll challenge for that title. From there, we've got the last match. I want to talk about the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, this one could blow away last year's. Last year, they only had five uh, women in the match. They had Tamina. They had Carmella. They had Natalia, Becky, and Charlotte, I believe. And it was like SmackDown exclusive. This year, you bring the brands together. So, yes, we're going to see Charlotte and Sasha finally lock eyes on each other and i think everyone's gonna go crazy because we are going to miss the glory days of the women's wrestling uh in wwe for the raw women's championship not that alexa bliss stuff that we saw last year and and, you know it into parts of you know the previous year um we let's go through the folks we have ember moon who's looked very impressive in her call-up from nxt Charlotte, obviously, going to be in that match. Alexa Bliss. Eh. Um, Becky Lynch. Natalia, who's linked in with Ronda Rousey and has been saying all this stuff on TV um, to make you think that she is going to be, you know, cat- cashing in on someone soon. But she's um, not really compelling or anything. Excuse my background. But... Um, I'm trying to see who else is in the match. Ah, we've got Lana, Naomi, and of course, the boss, Sasha Banks. Now, could you give this shit to Sasha Banks and jump this shit off the right way? Yes, you could. Um, With her cashing in on whoever the champion is on Raw... Or, you know, waiting until Bailey gets a shot at the title and then fucking her with the with the briefcase. I think Ronda kind of complicates things because do you want to cash in on her? I don't. But maybe it's the argument that the Money in the Bank briefcase and all that gimmick has run its course. If you look at what it kind of spiritually replaced, it was King of the Ring. King of the Ring ran from 1993 to 2002. So looking at Money in the Bank and it being like, a concept right that has been going on since 2005 the show alone has gone on since 2010 we're now in the eighth or 2010 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 this is the eighth show remember 1993 through 2002 and this they felt like doing the tournament thing was like not really a draw and also you know maybe the concept was a little antiquated but are we approaching that point with money in the bank? Because it's another motherfucker cashing in on another motherfucker and it's just the same shit over and over. So maybe it's time to look at that next year. Maybe next year should be the last money in the bank briefcase. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Let me know. Um, but as far as the women, doesn't matter. It does not matter which one of them wins this. I was I would pretty much go for anyone winning the money in the bank Um Except Lana or Alexa Bliss. Alexa, we've been there and done that. Lana, no, not ready. Not close to being ready. Um, If it was up to me, my top three would probably be Becky, Sasha, or Ember Moon. Ember's new enough to where she could kind of use that thing. She's a baby face and maybe give someone their comeuppance with it. Sasha could be a vehicle to a heel turn. And Becky is a way to... <clears throat> reestablish her as a force to be reckoned with in the division. She hasn't been given shit in a long time. 
I think those are the three to watch with Natalia looming uh, with her connection with Ronda Rousey. That is your Money in the Bank preview. Please don't suck. Just don't suck. That's my philosophy. And the last thing we're here to talk about today is NXT TakeOver Chicago. When has NXT TakeOver ever failed us? Go ahead. I'll wait. Anything? No. Okay. They've never failed us. So... They are going into a town where I'm sure they're going to make people lose their minds. I feel like one day later, people are going to lose their minds in a completely different way uh, (laughs) for the Money in the Bank card. But, you know, they've got a great blend of championship matches. They've got some personal rivalries. And NXT TakeOver is coming to do what TakeOver does. So, um, starting off first, in a match for the NXT Tag Team Championships... We have the Undisputed Era with Kyle O'Reilly as well as, uh, yeah, excuse me, Kyle O'Reilly and Roger Strong taking on Oni Lurkin and Danny Birch. And I think this is going to be a barn burner. We saw these guys go at it a, um, a couple weeks ago on NXT. And this is Birch's first real opportunity on a takeover to really do his thing. So if you think him and Lurkin aren't going to come out here and try to kill it, I don't know what's wrong with you. This is going to be the super hot opener. The Undisputed Era are going to be welcoming like gods in Chicago. And Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, people are going to cheer for them too. I'm expecting a very good um, tag team match that gets plenty of time. I would, I would bet on at least 15 minutes. And they're going to be looking to outdo what the Young Bucks did. So we'll see how it all works out. But the NXT Tag Team Championship match is definitely going to be one to watch. Um, and, it, and it is a threat to steal the show. Looks like there's a lot of great matches on the card already. But there's no reason this couldn't come out there and challenge for, like, you know, match second best match of the night, third at worst, um, you know. But um, we have Aleister Black defending the NXT Championship against Lars Sullivan. Now, this hasn't had the most juice going into it. This has been a feud where um, Aleister Black has kind of had one thing, one weapon. And, of course, that's the Black Mass. But he's running into this guy that wants to slam him around. And he's a monster. And Lars Sullivan is as wide as a refrigerator. He's coming out here and looking like Fritz Von Erich. And he's a guy that I don't think the NXT folks, like the fans, fans of NXT, um, him holding the belt would really appreciate in that role. So I think Aleister Black's reign continues. He's come too far just to stop now. Maybe it's a monster of the month situation. That's why we're here. We want to see what Lars is like in this situation. They want to give him a rep. Why not? They've got hot programs around it to where this can be the title match. Whatever. Black is black. We know. Uh, And there's not really much else to say about that match. But there is plenty to say about the next match that I'm going to talk about. Ricochet versus the Velveteen Dream. Now... When Ricochet was first signed, there were rumors that he would jump off into a feud with the Velveteen Dream, and those rumors came true. I saw these gentlemen wrestle against each other about three months ago on the Largo Loop in Florida, and they had a spectacular house show match. Now, they did they go balls to the wall? No, but what they did was show crisp sequences, uh, chemistry, 
great timing and all these guys have done i'm sure all they've done is practice it more wrestle more in these three months so this is not a case of these guys just you know not really knowing each other well they know each other real well at this point as we saw their match on nxt a couple weeks ago that was interrupted by lars sullivan i think that ricochet is going to use this as his platform this is his debut singles pay-per-view match and velveteen dream it's been a while quietly since that um alistair black match but people love this guy and he's going to get every chance to succeed um definitely digging uh two brothers being in the match and i'm just ready for real greatness here because I think Ricochet has been sitting back and he's been seeing the landscape like, why can't this all be mine? And all the house shows around, you know, Florida have been up ever since Ricochet's entrance in the promotion. He's definitely proven to be kind of a ticket mover in that respect. Uh, He did not win the NXT North American Championship, but Ricochet, since this is his first match, on a takeover as a one-on-one. I'm going to pick Ricochet for the win. Velveteen's dream will not be hurt at all by a loss. Motherfuckers love him already. Great video package. All-time great gift moment when he flipped over the top rope. I'm going to use that gift to the day I die. Maybe y'all should as well. Um, Shannon Baszler and Nikki Cross. Now, this is very unique for a lot of reasons. Because Shayna Baszler has mastered the art of being a bully. But what do you do when the bullying or the person you're trying to bully is crazy and doesn't give a fuck about any of that? That is Nikki Cross, if you guys have not been paying attention to NXT. She looks like she's had a tough week at all times. She looks like she got some kids that are acting the fuck up. She looks like she's been in a fight or two. She looks a little rough around the edges. She's kind of got a woman Dean Ambrose to a whole nother level thing going on. And... She's not an MMA fighter, but she'll go in there and fight an MMA fighter. So it'll be interesting to see how this works. She's obviously the one with uh, a lot of experience here. Shayna Baszler has been nothing but fantastic, in my opinion, uh, since the Mae Young Classic, bringing such a unique vibe to her her matches as well as the danger that she presents. And all it takes is a second, and she'll... You know, put that thing on you, and you ain't, and you know, we'll see you when you wake up. So, um, I'm picking Shayna Baszler, NXT Women's Title. You know, doesn't flop around a lot. Ember Moon's uh, short reign was, I feel like, an aberration, and Shayna Baszler is going to continue running through the NXT Women's Division. I feel like until she gets that showdown with Kyrie Sane uh, in a rematch of the May Young Classic. If you stretch that out towards SummerSlam, kind of like a year almost to the to the day so uh or i i think it was like september or july they or excuse me i think it was like july last year so rolled over a little over a year um and they can do their thing and i think i don't know if it's gonna be on the level of like you know a charlotte or oscar match but it could be like right below that and i think they're gonna give us an impressive effort um going forward and of course the last match we have to talk about Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano ending at the place that it began in Chicago one year ago that heinous evil ball-headed gray in his beard fucker Tommaso Ciampa turned on the beloved Johnny Gargano and it was something we all knew would happen one day but when it did it just worked out so well 
he's back to the site where he tore that ACL. He was gone for so long. I own my only wish is that they could have stretched this out somehow to where they could have met in Brooklyn in a hell in a cell match. The first of its kind in NXT. So that's my only, uh, uh, you know, kind of thing about this match. Maybe this is the point where they blow it off. I feel like they have to, or they risk with Gargano getting corny, getting looked at like a sap, uh, you know, getting looked at like, hey, he's letting his wife tell him what to do. And that's not really going to endear you to wrestling fans. It's nothing wrong with doing what, what your uh, significant other wants you to do, but when they're just beating it into the ground over and over, people are going to get tired of it. And then people are going to start cheering for Tommaso Ciampa, which means you've gone too far. So I feel like they need to end it here. Be brutal. It's a Chicago street fight. So if it's a Chicago street fight, I really want to see where it's going to be. I want to see him on the O block with uh six, nine, where he was at. I want to see him out there with chief Keith. I want to see him out there in the, in the, in the shy, you know, shy rack. I want to see a real Chicago street fight, not the suburban Chicago street fight. I want to see the real Chicago come out there, you know, 300 Chicago. Um, I don't know if they want that type of smoke though. So, um, Chicago street fight, hopefully is raw. I think Gargano and Ciampa had the best match in WWE history. Uh, last time they got together, who am I to expect less? So, you know, we'll see. I think TakeOver is going to be brilliant. It's going to be a showcase of the best that WWE has to offer creatively. And also, it's going to lay the foundation for what should be a great weekend. But then the main roster, I feel like, has no chance of following. They are put on alert with um, NXT TakeOver. And... Shout out to Ricky and Clive. This is like the 20th TakeOver show coming up. So this is a whole brand in itself. TakeOver has been nothing but excellence from day one when Cesaro and Sami Zayn went out there. And I feel fortunate to have watched nearly every single one of them and not had to miss them. I'm going to be shooting a video uh, for my song Scared Out My Mind on my album, Family Music Life, if you haven't heard it. Um, on Saturday, it might interrupt my live viewing, but I will be back with a video breaking down uh, the entire event afterwards. Um, yeah, but NXT TakeOver, the most bankable thing in WWE. Take it, and you can never go wrong. But, yeah, man, very excited for that show. If you guys uh, like this show and everything like that, drop me the five-star rating. Um, make sure you guys subscribe to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. That's going to wrap it up today. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, my name is Rich Latta. I am up out of here. Make sure you subscribe and check out the rest of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And y'all know the shows. They're in the listings and the links. So this is Rich. I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time.